Welcome to episode 160 of the Twim Show. This is your host, Sajid Islam, and today I'll be going over the notable news and updates from the digital marketing space from the week of May 8th through 12th. Now, folks, one disclaimer, today's episode has been built uh, in terms of, obviously, I still sourced the news items worthy of the show. However, all the show notes or all the notes that are going to show up on the episode for this episode are have been you have been uh, generated using a uh, generative ai okay i shared this with you because i wanted to tap into the power of generative ai cut down the time it takes for me to build this show number 1 number 2 also show you the power of generative ai now Please do uh, read the show notes, send me feedbacks either directly or through the uh, feedback mechanism to tell me how it is going, uh, if you enjoyed it, if it's uh, drastically different, if you enjoyed it or if it sucked, uh, because if you don't, I will continue to use generative AI. Uh, that's how the game is going to go, right? Not just in Twim Show, but across the board. Okay, with that, let's jump in. First off, uh, bit of a public service announcement that seems like scammers are exploiting verified accounts on Facebook and Instagram to defraud the users. And this is going to the point where people have taken, you know, um, or scammers, bad actors have taken accounts or pages that were previously verified or have basically paid to get verified and running ad campaigns saying, oh, hey, by the way, and I've seen this, Hey, by the way, uh, we are retiring our dashboard for security reasons. Now you need to download this uh, app, uh, which is a desktop app, and you know re-verify your ad accounts. And when you do that, obviously they take over your ad accounts, right? And they take over your ad accounts. They run crappy ads and whatnot, and everything else is like you know history. Now, obviously, Facebook has taken actions. They're like you know deleting those accounts, things like that. Uh, however. I just want you to be aware that, you know, this is uh, going on. So be careful uh, if you see something that asks you to download or to verify something like that and add. And, you know, you are going to say, hey, this will never happen to me. Right. And I have, you know, me being a person who kind of covers these things, who is kind of, you know, uh, I sit across like both on the tech side and the market side and kind of, you know, work on digital cloud transformation, things like that. I will tell you, I've seen some of those things that really triggers a response and it will get your amygdala uh, kind of on a fight or flight or fight mode. And Everyone's gonna, everyone's gonna go fall victim to this kind of scam. So please, please, please be, uh, you know, careful. Okay, with that, the next up update from Meta is that Meta has announced the launch of AI sand, Sandbox, which is a, gener a suite of generative AI tools designed to enhance the effectiveness of advertising on their platform. The Sandbox provides three generative AI features. Number one is text variation. With this tool, you can enter your ad copy and the AI will suggest several variations for you to test. This feature helps you to optimize your copy based on AI-driven insights, allowing you to choose whether the suggestions are not great or looks good. The next one is background generation. This feature enables you to use text prompts to define the appearance or style of the background you want. It allows for testing various images and gauging their impact on ad performance. And number three is image cropping. This tool assists in adjusting your assets to fit in different aspect ratios across Facebook and Instagram surfaces such as stories and reels. Now, 
In my opinion, this has, these tools have potential to significantly improve the performance of your Facebook advertising while saving time, especially the first one, which is text variation, because that is very, very helpful. However, as is always the case with AI, it's crucial to test monitor outputs given that generative AI is not flawless. Hey, I started off this episode saying, you know, we are using generative AI. I'm using generative AI. Uh, nevertheless, uh, the jury is still out. You are the listener. You are the reader. You're going to come and tell me whether it was it um, lived up to your expectations or not. As, uh, as we approach... Uh, Currently, the generative AI features are only available to select group of advertisers. However, Meta has announced to expand access to more advertisers in July. As we approach the date, we will keep you informed about any further developments. Okay. Next up is an update from Pinterest. Pinterest is revamping its pin creation process, unifying all its creation features to, into a single streamlined flow. This simplification means... All that features previously exclusive to certain pin formats or business accounts are now accessible to all users. This includes the ability to add links, make post, publish edits, adjust aspect ratio flexibly. Adding to the creative suite, all content creators can now include expressive features like music, text, overlay, and stickers to their pins. If you'd say that looks like Facebook Stories, Facebook Reels, you are right, and not Reels, Facebook Stories, or Insta Stories, it is right. It's just copying one uh, function from the other. Uh, but nevertheless, if you are uh, playing the Pinterest game, this is obviously a great update for you. And, you know, this Pinterest is not for everyone. I have basically spoke to someone last week, and she basically has digital downloads. She advertises markets on Pinterest and makes somewhere around $2,000 a week. Oh, sorry, $2,000 a day uh, out of promotion from Pinterest that drives traffic to her site and from where they, she sells digital downloads. Like, hey, that's 2,000 times 30 is 60,000. 60,000 times 12 is $720,000 a year. Not bad, right? So who thought Pinterest is dead? You just have to niche down and find your audience. And now your audience may not be on Instagram. Your audience may not be on YouTube, but your audience may be on Pinterest. So you need to find. And the goal of this show is to bring you all the things that are happening. And then you decide which one is for you. Now, obviously, if you're stuck and you do not know what to do, uh, where you should focus on, or what channel you should focus on, you can always reach out to me and I will do my best to kind of guide you. Okay. Uh, the other the thing is Pinterest is expanding access to its paid partnership tool and product tagging using affiliate links option. It, it is also enabling emoji reaction on all pin types, adding a new layer of user engagement. Uh, that's about it. Okay. Uh, with the Pinterest update, let's jump to the next update, which is on TikTok. So this is an exciting news for TikTok marketers. TikTok recently obviously held the third annual TikTok World event showcasing the latest product development and tools and creator options with all the aim of empowering businesses to create in, to increase their TikTok presence, except for ours. We really uh, do not have much presence on TikTok. We tried a little bit last year and, you know, frankly speaking, it just was too much for us. We are a small company. We cannot be on YouTube. We cannot be on LinkedIn. We cannot be on Insta. We cannot be on TikTok. So I just said, you know, we're going to focus on YouTube. So everything of the, everything uh, what we do is primarily on YouTube. 
uh, YouTube and the next platform is LinkedIn. Yeah, I know. I totally understand. We are missing out potential traffic, potential eyeballs. But trust me, you know, uh, we are at a point where we really cannot chase like, you know, too many rabbits. Uh, if we do, we will not catch anything. So let's just focus on that. And, you know, obviously at some point, maybe in the future, we are going to focus on TikTok and other platforms. Now, back to the TikTok news, but the cherry on top of this launch is of the uh, the cherry on top is the launch of new TikTok World Hub, a central space that houses all the key announcements and insights from the event. The hub provides access to video presentations covering topics like e-commerce elements, improved ad tools, and more. It also links to a range of guide guides aimed at enhancing your TikTok marketing strategy. TikTok has published two new guides within the hub. The first is Creative Codes, which gives an overview of the key principles that drive uh, standout creativity on the app. The second is a comprehensive four-page explainer of TikTok creative principles. These guides are designed to help you amplify your TikTok content efforts. While no major updates were announced during the TikTok world event, TikTok provides valuable insights into the app's best practices and ongoing development of its ad tools. It's certainly worth your time to explore, absorb the information to maximize your potential on the platform. Now, I know that was a lot because I just read from the uh, show notes. Again, that was kind of generated by the generative AI. Uh, we use a combination of ChatGPT and Bard, or I use a combination of ChatGPT and Bard. But in coming back to the TikTok announcements, obviously you, the business owner, can review and kind of see what it is. But it's your marketing people who should be doing this for you, right? You as an owner can kind of skim through it and kind of figure out, hey, we should be doing this. Why are we not doing this kind of you know, checks and balances? If you don't have a marketing advisor, uh, but if you do, it's the job of your marketing advisor. So you, the owner, can continue to wear the owner's hat or can continue to own, wear the CEO hat and f- focus on strategy and growth. Okay, And give it to your CEO and the marketing people to figure out, uh, hey, what is it we need to do next? What are we missing out? What do you not see? Next up. Uh, let's talk about the key announcements from Google I.O. 2023. Again, I'm going to quickly skim through the main announcements that matters to you. But if you want to read all the announcements, it's in the show notes. Now, Google annual I.O. event was last week. Google did a lot of stuff, showed a lot of stuff. But, you know, one thing you need to know about Google is transferring, uh, transforming search with AI. Uh, basically, the company has integrated a range of new generative AI tools into Google Search, enabling a more comprehensive and efficient search experience. You can expect to uncover new viewpoints, insights, and understand a topic faster. However, Google has also noted that errors in AI responses are to be expected, and they will be refining the systems over over time based on user feedback. This is actually a game changer from what I've seen, the demos, and in exp- what I've experienced so far. Now more than ever, SEO is important because guess where this is learning from? From SEOs, crawling, things like that. So if you're not playing the SEO game, you're going to miss out. Next up is AI in shopping results. Google's generative AI tools will also be applied to shopping results to aid users in product comparisons. This new AI elements for shopping will provide insights into key elements to consider when making purchases, including up-to-date reviews, ratings, prices, and product images. 
The third option is obviously BART expansion. Fourth is photo editing. You don't need to know all this. Fifth is mitigating the risk of generating generative AI. I'm not going to cover this. You don't need to really know that. Uh, it's just so that you know those two top two were the most important one that you should actually hear about. Um, the three, if you're really curious, go and read the show notes. Uh, the other thing I want you to t- know about is that Google's really pushing into AI. Right, Bard has come a long way in the last few weeks compared to what Bard was uh, right at the initial launch because I've compared the results, I've compared it with ChatGPT, and it's just getting better and better to the point where you know Bard is something to be seriously taken. Whether you like ChatGPT or Bard, something that remains to be seen, but the f- the fact remains that generative AI is here to stay. Next up. Google has addressed that some rumors have been circling that, you know, GA4 deadline is going to be extended. Uh, Jeannie Marvin has basically said, no way, we are not changing. And I believe Google, no matter what people are saying, because GA4 is hard, GA4 is half-baked, GA4 is whatnot, does not matter. Google has more to lose if they do not sunset universal analytics than they have by extending universal analytics. Now, you're going to say, hey, a lot of people are going to leave UA because it's not worth the effort to go to GA4 because it's such a learning, big learning curve. So many things are happening. Let it be. Google is willing to take that stance because remember, if the European Commission or if GDPR, which is Google has already been labeled, universal, current version of universal analytics has already been labeled as illegal, Google has a lot more to raise. Not only in terms of business that they cannot operate anywhere in Europe, number one. Number two is the fines they're going to get. It's better to off, to kind of cut it off and roll into GA4, fix it as it goes along versus, you know, you are going to be like... Uh, GF4 is half-baked. A lot of marketers out there on LinkedIn are complaining about it because they are starting up late and they haven't really taken the time to learn GF4 and they're just like swimming and they're bitching about it. But you know what? Don't listen to them. Uh, This is why you need to have the marketers, the right marketers, the right people in your circle. But coming back, Google is not going to change the deadline. This is me making an opinion based on what I understand about Google Analytics, right? We'll see. Next up, Google talked about uh, Reflang uh, X default to boost your website navigation and conversions. Like Reflang X default value, it's an underused feature that can significantly improve user experience and website navigation. It's primarily for uh, websites that have different languages for different regions, and sometimes you know users people do not use it. Um, like for example, if you set your default uh, language, say for Canada, is English, and if you don't do it, and it could Google cannot decide whether it's supposed to show it in French or English, and you don't have a French site, Reflang X default is gonna redirect it to say English, right? It's just it's just a very unused uh, feature of SEO that Google is saying, you know, you need to really do that. Uh, There are a couple of benefits. Obviously, one I uh, touched on, which is enhanced user experience by directing users to a URL that is best suited to them. When the preferred language is not supported, you improve their overall experience. Now, you could say, Sajid, what's the difference between English in US and English in Canada? There's a slight difference. Like, you know, in in uh, one great example, one thing that comes to my mind is, hey, in, in American English, we spell color as C-O-L-O-R. Uh, in Canadian English, we say C-O-L-O-U-R. That's British English, right? Again, in American English, we pronounce Z. Uh, in Canadian English, we pronounce Z. 
right? So it's a slight nuance, but it just makes the user feel like, you know, you listen to them, you understand them, and the visitor to feel like, you know, oh, they talk our language, they understand what they're talking about, things like that. The next up, uh, the next benefit of Efring, Reflang, Reflang X default is the URL discovery. The URL specified in Reflang annotations, including X default, may be used for URL discovery. This is particularly beneficial for large sites with complex structures, complex structures, as it ensures every localized URL is well linked and accessible. Okay. Uh, again, it can also potentially increase your conversions and better serve your audience. Uh, so obviously, you know, it's best crucial to adhere to best practice and avoid common mistakes when implementing Reflang X default. However, if you have a small, you know, site which is just English, you can skip it. Next up, um, John Mueller from Google has basically touched on no follow for SEO. This is something we have covered in the past, uh, as recent as I think last month or maybe the month before that. But anyway, uh, people are still confused when to use no follow and when to how to use no follow. Number one, especially around sponsored content, and the other one is for user generated content (UGC). Right? For again, you can always get around by saying. Really, relative link equals to no follow, and that will be fine. Technically, it says correct, but there's more uh, to it than uh, than meets the eye. Uh, because if it's a sponsored outbound link, you want to put no follow, commas uh, sponsored or sponsored attribute in somewhere, because Google should know what's uh, sponsored versus non-sponsored, because it really helps you with your uh, ranking, uh, also kind of you know giving some credits to the other link. And for user-generated content, also you want to say it's UGC so that if someone's typing in crap, the, uh, Google knows, hey, yeah, this website owner has no authority or no handle over all this stuff. So everything that shows up in the comment sections, FAQ sections is our UGC, let's just ignore them. Um, but, you know, again, Google recommends uh, but does not require. Just because Google uh, does not require does not mean you should skip it. You should totally focus on it and pay attention to it. By the way, there is more detailed description or write-up about this in our show notes. So if you are really interested on how to use nofollow, please check it out. Cross-domain canonicals. We talked about it last week or the week before that. Again, that came up because people were uh, kind of confused, uh, not our listeners, but just people on general on the internet. So Google came out and they just said, you know, there are some limitations, but basically... Even though Google is saying uh, that you know cross-domain canonical should not be used because Google doesn't cannot figure out what should be the right one, and sometimes copy is like you know articles do not appear as is. Sometimes things are changing. Uh, you know what they're saying is that you can still. Let me see what it says. So it was designed to self-identify what should be considered a canonical version of a page when there might be duplicates or near duplicates. Uh, and what they're saying is that you should not use it, but if you use it, you're fine, right? Um, yeah, because sometimes syndication partners are, they do not... Um, you do not have control over the 
copy of the content, right? Uh, so again, we do not uh, sub we we also do try to support canonical across domains. That's what Google said, but canonical is not recommended for those who wish to avoid duplication by syndication partners because the pages are often very different, right? So it's not the same, but it could be a different version of the same page. So again, it's just a very hairy topic. It really affects people who have like Yahoo News and Microsoft Bing because they seem to be uh, syndicating content quite a bit, especially from Yahoo to Microsoft Bing. Um, but otherwise, I would say you still should use Canonical, especially within your own site. <sighs> now, the one question that came up this week to during, uh, well, last week, uh, during the Google SEO office hour was, hey, about quality content, like, you know, how come something that's so small can rank higher, but some I have a long longer page and it's not uh, ranking well. The question comes down to just because you think something is high quality content does not necessarily mean that it's going to be high value for the web and vice versa, right? Uh, some, so what John say or sorry, I made a mistake. It's not actually on uh, SEO office hours. It was on Twitter. But just saying that something can be high quality content with a lot of information for users and still be low value for the web. This statement underscores an important point. Not all high quality content adds significant value to the web. It's not just about crafting content with comprehensive information for users. The content must also bring something new or unique to the table to stand out in the sea of information on the web. The value of content can vary irrespective of its length or the quantity of information it provides. Sometimes even short content can garner significant interest and links while longer content may not resonate as well. The evolving landscape of digital marketing and SEO requires us to keep a keen eye on these nuances. It is critical to continually reassess and ensure that your content is not just high quality in not just high in quality but also adds unique value to the web um, hope that helps because I've seen a lot of people including some of our you know prospects who come in and they say oh we're doing you know content publishing content marketing and the only thing I see is the crap content Right. Uh, so if that's what you are doing because they hired a uh, you know, content farm in another country and they're just churning out content weekly basis or uh, they, you know, realtors do a lot, they kind of, you know, subscribe to some, some of the service that gives them blog, but that service gives them blog to the same blog to like 500 or 1,000 customers they have and they're posting the same blog. It's crap. Right. Of course, you know, someone comes in, a prospect comes into their side and they say, oh, they've been publishing blog regularly. That's a very different value, uh, very different market set versus, you know, writing well thought out content so that you can rank higher and actually find customers from organic uh, searches. So they're two different, uh, you know, market strategy. Let's not confuse the two. Um, but if you want to just like, you know, drive traffic to your page and if you want someone to say, oh, this person is so expert, even though I think that's illegal, that's like kind of crap, uh, that's kind of, you know, bad. But you want to do it, do it. Okay, uh, the other news from Google is that invalid schema markup does not impact your Google uh, rankings. Gary Ilias, I think you know that, know him. He's a Google rep. Uh, recently clarified that having invalid schema markup does not hurt your website's ranking or its overall performance on the search engine. The worst case scenario, if Google cannot parse the markup, it's simply that. It par if Google cannot parse the markup, it's as simple as it's not going to use it. Right Now, if you ask me, uh, that should you care? I wouldn't say go 
do not intentionally go ahead and you know uh, not have a schema markup or not make any changes sometimes things fall through the cracks if you're a small business owner trying to do everything by yourself in that case it's fine it's not the end of the world but i would definitely encourage you to have a schema markup right uh, it's just another way because when you if you don't have it you know it won't give you a um reach uh it's not gonna ha- you're not gonna basically you're gonna potentially miss out in some of the search features like reach attributes under your snippets hey the more area you have in the search engine results page the better you have chances of getting a you know person to click on it and show up on your site and actually use it websites are gone where it's just a brochure websites are more should be built with uh, eye for conversion okay next up uh, google is planning to update its helpful content system when they did not say that but it's basically saying that you know in the io conference last week google says that you know um, it's looking at uh, updating it which kind of makes sense especially in the generative ai so i just want you to know that it's coming nothing no action needed from your end right now it's just something you need to put this bug in your uh, content writing team or content writer to make sure that you are writing good quality content okay last update of this week is that uh, google's adding a new metric to core web vitals and dropping one which is uh, google is removing first input delay and replacing it with a more comprehensive and accurate measure known as interaction to next paint so feed fid is going out inp is coming in feed has traditionally measured the delay before an interactive web page element becomes responsive however it did not take into account the total time it took for a web page to react to those interactions recognizing this incompleteness of the fid metric google introduced inp interaction to next paint as an experimental metric in may 2022 inp not only measures the delay but also the entire responsiveness of a page offering a more precise understanding of the user experience INP has been available through tools like PageSpeed Insights for the past year. This new metric con- uh, considers the entire duration from the moment a user interacts with the web page to the time it takes for the site to respond visually. Pages with an INP score under 200 milliseconds are considered fine, while scores between 200 and 500 milliseconds needs improvement and scores above 500 milliseconds signify poor responsiveness. for publishers developers and seos who've been working to optimize website performance this change could potentially reflect in more positive inp scores as we know elements that can affect the score include scripts taking a long time to load delays in fetching a resource and the time spent parsing css and html for correct website display optimizing these areas may let lead to better inp scores Please note that INP is currently a pending core web vital metric and will officially become a core web vital metric in May 2024. Now you're going to say hey Sajid we have one year but you know you blink it's going to come up just with GA4 uh, migration I would urge you to start looking at this today why wait because it's the change is inevitable but why wait why not get to, get started with it today especially if you have a website with lots of pages again if you are unsure how these changes might affect you or if you want to know how you can optimize your website for INP 
We are here to help. Reach out us. Reach out to us today for a comprehensive audit, and let's ensure your website is ready to meet the new standards of user experience. With that, folks, that's it for this week in marketing. Signing off. This is your host Aziz Islam. Until next week, take care. Bye bye.